maior espetáculo da terra, futebol e o gol! Good evening, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the latest PS5. I'm your host, Sunny Sangera, and a couple of weeks ago, we received a letter which was asking me what I wanted to see in the future of PES, Pro Evolution Soccer, eFootball, ISS, Winning Eleven, so many names. And we got great feedback from that question and it got me thinking about what I wanted to do for an episode. You know, I really wanted to talk PES with the man himself. And the problem is that man hasn't done a podcast in a very, very long time. So it took a lot of sweet talk but we've got him here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcasting world. Mr. Adam Batty, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Hope you're okay. Hey, everyone listening. Wow, you got me on a podcast, Sonny. I know, I can't believe man. it. What, I... what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get underway, I just want all the listeners to understand that uh, me and Adam um, have worked together for a number of years professionally. We know each other personally. We're very, very close. So... Just in case you're wondering about how we're talking to one another or if we're using the term bro or babe or lovely or anything like that, it's because we know each other really, really well and we both have one thing in common and that is an insane passion for Pez. But before we get into all that, the football season is officially back. How do you feel? Mm. You know, And it's not just back, we're just getting football every day. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm I'm really happy. I think you know th- th- there's a lot of things being said about the current world situation and um, how we should be handling things, especially here in the UK. But honestly, for me, you know, I'm sure we'll get into a lot of what I've been doing over the past few years. But being in Japan, Sunny, I miss football so much, and it's the time zones. So you know, to watch a football game, it would be crazy times, like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., just to wow. just to catch a decent game. Um, midweek games were impossible unless I wanted to turn up to work late. Um, you know, it was so coming back into lockdown was painful, super painful because there was no football, there was no nothing. I remember the Bundesliga coming back and watching that and really enjoying it. And you know, I think it does have a place in 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 the in the world right now where it is keeping people going, having something to look forward to. I look at the fixtures and uh, I just watched, obviously, the mighty AC Milan tonight uh, struggling past, uh, <laughs> uh, I think, a Norwegian outfit in the Europa League qualifiers. And, you know, I, I look at their fixture list and, I, and I, you know, I feel for them in, in a way because they're being forced to play an incredible amount of games. I'm sure we'll see it here, here in the UK in the Premier League as well. I'm happy that it's back. I'd feel happier if, if my team was playing better we've had a good start to the season we've won all our games so far Europa and the first game in Serie A obviously the, the bad news today about Ibra getting Covid um, but I think in general I'm happy that it's back uh, we're recording while the Super Cup's going on as well so it's. I think it's nice I mean I don't know obviously you as a United fan no, uh, not talk maybe about it. 
don't want to talk <laughs> about it. I should ask you, Sonny, how is how do you feel about football coming back? I don't want to talk about football. I don't want to talk about transfers. I don't want hey, to talk about... Hey, you started about... it. I'm on a Pez podcast, maybe. I think we're going to talk about football. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, um, I'm, again, same thing. You know, when we initially went into lockdown earlier this year and there was just no football around, we, as football fans, really missed it. And especially as we hit a turn of form as well. So when it came back, it was like, oh, yes, football's back. But... I think you'd agree it's just not the same without the crowd mm. there, is it? About the live crowd, the energy and everything. And it's just the cracks are showing when there's no when there's no energy to feed off and you can see it with teams and stuff. But it's a new season. I'm really happy. I'm actually intrigued. What time would be um, like a three o'clock kickoff in Japan and what time would a like a, a midweek European night be? Well, the 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 three pms were eleven pm, so it's an eight hour difference. Wow! Um, and then you're talking was it three forty five uh, for a, a Champions League game? Um, three forty five am um, wow. in Japan. So you know, and that that is one of those really amazing things. There's 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 so much that makes Pez amazing for me, and seeing how everybody consumes football. And if you think about how you maybe play a game and you're trying to encapsulate this feeling of a football game in such a short amount of time, 10 minute half, you know, sorry, uh, 10 minute matches. And you have this uh, uh, culture, this development team based in a country which consumes football in a, in a, in a highlight way. You know, there's mm-hmm. definitely members of the development team which are so passionate and they do watch all the games, you know, but majority of the people in that development team will be doing what I did. And that's coming in on a Thursday morning, uh, watching the match highlights on YouTube, uh, seeing those dodgy streams, <laughs> put on some videos where you can see extended highlights, 10 to 20 minutes, and getting the snapshots, getting the highlights. And then you start to maybe see how this perfect storm creates a football game which can bring out those incredible moments from players or from teams so vividly on a, in, a, in a football game. And I think so much of that uh, really, really allowed me being in Japan sort of through cosmosis, through being there, learning so much just by being around these amazing people and seeing how they would, uh, you know, watch football, uh, see these certain movements by players and see them in highlight form and the big moments and put them into the game. And so for me, I was consuming football that way. I remember the World Cup. I was there for the World Cup and uh, Japan did did pretty decent if it weren't for a, you know, a crazy combat by by, by Belgium. Mm. Um, they would have got, got, got to the next round and the country was consumed by football in that period. And we went out uh, many, many nights with the team. I went and watched the uh, Japan World Cup matches, and and I think they do love football. They 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 have to uh, have a certain lifestyle there to be able to consume it in the same way. And I remember actually there was a there was a classico. I think there was two two classicos which kicked off at uh, twelve in the afternoon, and they were perfect. You know, eight p.m. in the evening felt like I was watching them. You know, in the in, in the evening back in you know back in the UK. Um, and it was just perfect. And we didn't get a lot of those. I, I remember being in the UK before I came to Japan and seeing 
the start of these um, big, big, big matches in the afternoon, I'm wondering, oh, it doesn't feel the same. It should be in the evening. Mm. And, you know, obviously the purpose of those was to hit the Asian market. And obviously being in Japan, I started to really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't agree with you more. The The way people consume football is so different, but the passion is always the same. It's just absolutely, mm. absolutely amazing. I went to an Asian Champions League game as well. And it was when there was um, a match. Oh, I'm not going to say the team's names now because I'm going to get it wrong. But <laughs> it was a Chinese team against one of the Japanese teams. And I remember going to the match and it was uh, um, Hulk and, and Oscar were, were, were playing. And I remember going to that game and sitting in the crowd. And actually the atmosphere was fantastic. And, you know, you get certain... I guess maybe you think, you know, there's obviously not going to be great, great atmosphere in Japan, maybe. But trust me, it was it was kicking off. It was great. And and, and that was a great experience as well, being able to go to another part of the world and watch watch an Asian Champions League match and experience it there. But you do see football there there in Japan is is huge. Well, two things. Number one, you mentioned something about um, the way the development team there notice little movements. I want to get into that later. Secondly, mm. though, you struggling with Japanese, mate, after giving me all these lessons over the last month or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, do you know what? I've been, I've been watching, I've been listening to your podcasts here and there. They've been popping up on my feed at really good times. Um, that's, that's strange as well. Being, being back in the time zone of obviously where, where you know, where I've born and lived all my life and being, being back here, but being in Japan, do you know the crazy thing is, is Japan is, you know, obviously it's it's a, it's an island, but it's so far away from everything. It's such it's so sheltered, mm. even social media. You know, you only see what what is around you. So when I was in Japan, the way that social media is fed to you, you you just see everything that's that's near you. Uh, Japanese stuff pops up on your Twitter timeline and those kind of things. So I miss everything. Ever since I've come back, I've started to see the stuff that you've been doing. Um, and obviously your channel's grown a lot, which I'm, which I'm, which I'm really proud to see and, you know, well done on that. And I think these days I've been, I've just been seeing your, your podcast pop up. So I did subscribe. I'm not saying that I listen to every single one, but I do listen to them when I can. But when I do, you're always saying some weird Japanese way of saying (laughs) stuff. Like, I was like, what's he doing? And obviously... I don't want to be that guy because I was certainly being corrected 24-7 when I was in Japan about how I would say words. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry, you're, you're way off sometimes. Oh, <laughs> so mate, it's, it's Ghost of Tsushima, you know what I mean? It's that game. I've planned it now, so I've got nothing to talk about with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That but, was a good game, wasn't it? That was, that was a lot of fun. And playing that game as well, it was, it was, it was great. Just seeing all the, all the little things which I knew was so heavily influenced from the Japanese culture. It was I think it was great. Definitely. And yeah, you must have been missing Japan when you were playing that game. You're like, oh, I missed that. I yeah. wish I could go back. And, you, know, and... you know, it's crazy to think that I was there for over two years. And even now coming back, and I guess the way the world is, I haven't been able to... I mean, since, since I've got back, it's been nonstop. Mm. And I haven't had a chance to even think about it. But the idea that I've been... That I can say that I lived in Japan for two years, but it really is like a distant memory. And... And to be fair, I've you know I've been back for a short time. If you think about it, around six months now, mm-hmm. and it just feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, and it's crazy, but yeah, definitely when I when I when I played Ghosts, I was definitely you know brought back some some memories. Excellent. Well, for the listeners who know you, they know who you are. 
but obviously there'll be many listeners who are listening to this thinking, who's this bye guy? Who's this? So yeah, true. Yeah. If you can, um, just, you know, over the next couple of minutes, just give us a brief overview of your yourself, your career, and your position now at Konomi, so they have a better understanding of, okay, this guy has merit, he can talk Pez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's crazy how to think about it. Um, started off working in retail, um, mainly video games, a bit of fashion here and there. Um, was 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 working as a in my younger days, working as a what is it, a section manager at Zavi. Mm-hmm. The old the after it was uh, sorry, yeah, it was it was Virgin, and then it became a Zavi, and that's when I joined. I worked in game as well. I think every games fan has <laughs> done a stint at, at a game shop, and I was I was working at, at Zavi. Managed to have an opportunity to. Um, apply for a job at Ubisoft as part of their field team. That's where I so I joined Ubisoft, and that's I was there. I was there for I think about six years. I think maybe mm. uh, that's where I met you. That's mm-hmm. where we worked together at Ubisoft. Then I left Ubisoft um, to go and work for Konami. Uh, I started off as a community manager. Uh, within a year, I was a brand manager. Next year, European brand manager. Year after that. Um, I was the global uh, uh, product and brand manager. And then I went to Japan as the international brand manager. <laughs> and now I've come back from Japan. And now I'm the senior manager at Konami in Windsor, in the, in the European office. Um, basically focused on digital development. Um, working across all our titles, really focused on what we're seeing is, you know, a exciting new new generation. Working on some very exciting projects, um, handling a number of IPs and titles, and really, really amazing time working, leading on pairs, mm-hmm. um, on the on the brand side of things, and you know, f- for me being such a huge pairs fan since since I was tiny. And then being able to work on the game for what was around seven years was absolutely magical. But I'm older now. I'm older. I have to let the young kids look after, you know, uh, look after Pez now. So I'm doing more senior stuff now, um, being being more the guy who's looking after the business side of things more so than the brand side where I get to where I where I where I, I did get to meet players and spend time with teams and those kind of things and it's all serious now unfortunately but yeah a huge huge history with uh pez well let's take a look at that then so Mm. from a fan perspective and from yourself how were you or how did you introduce yourself into the world of what would have been then winning 11 or iss do you mean how I first got into it? How did you? Did did, did someone buy you the game? Did you stumble upon uh, the game? Which one was it? What year was it? Oh, I can't think of the year, but think of around... I think it was maybe when I was around 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. I think I remember that because I was at... Um, I remember the timing. I was at a secondary school, which I was at a private school, and then I wasn't enjoying it. And then I went to a public school after the first year. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I remember going to one of my cousin's houses and he had ISS on the Super Nintendo. Oh, nice. And I was, you know, I, I, I would say that I was 
a football fan, but it wasn't. It didn't consume my life. I remember a lot of the kids would um, would be buying those panini stickers and those <laughs> sticker books and stuff, and I would definitely be a part of that. But it wouldn't be anything beyond that. I wouldn't. I wasn't going to watch games. I wasn't watching games so so much on 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 TV. I remember at that time. I think my father got Sky Sports back in the day. And before that, I wasn't really watching football. Um, but I went to my cousin's house and he had a Super Nintendo. And I think I had an uncle who was really into video games. And it was my dad's brother. And he would have all the machines, all the latest consoles. And he would get the kids all the games. And we would play a lot of different types of games. But I remember one time I went there and they were playing ISS. And I just picked up the controller, started playing it. And that was the moment where I fell in love with you know, Pez, ISS, the first, and I really got into it from there. I think it helped that my cousin was a little bit older than me. He was really invested, really invested in ISS. Mm-hmm. And through that, I just started to follow, follow it very, very closely. ISS Pro was probably the first football game that I personally went and bought myself, owned, those kind of things. I remember that. So, that was, uh, you know, then I got into it, started to go on the, I think the internet a few years later, then started to find out about the heritage, the winning 11 naming and all those kind of things. So, yeah, just before I was a teenager, I was, Pez started to take over my life. Wow, international superstar soccer 64. I remember that. That was a, mm. that was a game for me. I got the feels, you know, you're talking about it and you get the feels and it takes you back. And I remember like we used to play on the um, Mega Drive, we used to play at the FIFA games, obviously. And then I remember my dad coming back with, um, was it ISS Deluxe? I think it was ISS Deluxe. Yeah, 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 ISS Deluxe. I think that's what it was called. And it, I was just like, what's this? But then when you play it and you could just feel football, you know, it didn't feel, even at that point, 16, but it didn't feel like a game. It felt like football. And me and my younger brother, from that point on, we were hooked. And I remember you couldn't readily go to like a Woolworths or something and find ISS. Mm. So like my dad had to pay over the odds at this like small independent Megatronic shop. Uh, and they would have to <laughs> get it delivered into us specifically. And my dad would be like, that game will last you a whole year now for the price I've paid for it. But yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's a great heritage, you know, and we'll come back to the history and uh, your likes and dislikes for Pez. But I'm here to talk about eFootball Pez 2021. Shall we get into it? Finally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so first off, um, I just want to say um, congratulations to you and the entire team um, who work on Pez for the launch of eFootball Pez 2021. But you know what? What really intrigued me is, and you don't see this often in the industry, is you came out really, really early and you just detailed, in my opinion, what was a very honest, open and transparent way, what the roadmap was for the next two years of PEZ. So now that I've got you here, I want to ask you, um, and this is a loaded question now, so there's sub-questions <laughs> in it, all right? So when did you make the decision to do that? What were the discussions like on how to reveal that information? Um, And were you nervous about how it would be received? Because 
as you know, I know, and the Pez community as a whole knows, Pez has one of the most passionate fan bases in gaming. Mm. So I know it was loaded. So yeah, (laughs) first off, you know, what was the decision to go that way? Do you know, this wasn't a decision that I was, I would say I was involved in. It was a decision that was created by wanting to create the best football game. It's a, it's a, it's a very basic answer, you know, but it, it, it means so much. We had a very difficult time when we went from PS2 to PS3. <laughs> and the thing is, I mentioned that, um, but it was such an impactful moment. This is uh, something which happened, when was it now, Sonny? Was it like, what, what can I say? Was it seven years ago, right? It was seven years ago, because it was after, was it seven years ago? Yeah. PES 2000, no, it's longer than that, 12 years ago, wasn't it? Sorry, <laughs> it was PES 2008, wasn't it? So it was 12, yeah. 13 years ago. So this moment has never gone away. And if you think about that as somebody who carries a burden with them, mm. now the teams have changed and there's different people who are in charge than were back then. But that, what happened, will never leave our minds. Mm-hmm. And this is a team which I got to know so well in my time in Japan. I can tell you everything before I went to Japan about this team being amazing. I already had the utmost respect for them. But being there, watching and learning from them, I learned from them. I'd never, ever, I don't think they learn anything from me. And I'm being honest with you. I was in Japan and I was there with this team, watching them work, seeing the dedication, the time. I remember there was one guy who had a baby and the next day he was in the office. Wow. These are guys who are that dedicated. And, you know, people don't want those people to. They were like, you know, go, go home. (laughs) What are you doing here? (laughs) But there's a commitment level that you just don't see unless you're there. And that's with everything in life, I guess. You know, you don't know what it's like for certain people in their job. We think footballers are X, Y, and Z. I'm sure, you know, obviously they're all human beings and we don't see that other side to them. And I think the, the PES development team, me working at Konami, being being based in, in the UK for so many years and then going to Japan, feeling like I already knew them and then going there and seeing them work. And I can, I can tell you on a personal level, this decision came from making sure that not that that would ever happen again, but there would be no chance, no chance of it happening again. Mm. And when you look at what they were trying to do, which they've revealed about the new engine, it has all the makings of a potential stumbling block. Mm-hmm. And rather than, you know, of course they were, they were looking at it for much longer. It's, it's not as if they made a, a decision super last minute. Oh, it's April. I know. Let's delay. You know, they've been working on this engine for a while. But what they wanted to do and their vision was so much greater. And I think that's when I, when I hear the words from, Hasoda-san, our senior producer, whenever he speaks about it, I think he recently publicly mentioned the same thing. The team are looking to revolutionize every element of that game. And to do that, they wanted to take another year. And you know, one thing that's really gets me excited mm. is knowing, obviously working with this team, knowing how talented they are, knowing how they see football and, and view football, their focus on this 
crazy replication of simulation, but still having the enjoyment um, and bringing people in. You know, Sonny, I, I recently played NBA 2K mm-hmm. and I can tell you that is not a game for people who don't know basketball or who watch basketball but have never played a basketball game. And mm. when you think about how Pez is, it's got this depth, but you can definitely sit down with Pez as a newcomer and start to pass the ball about and get a shot off on goal and understand how to tackle the basics very, very quickly. Mm. And I think as I think what they've done is incredible when they've got a game which is a, a simulation, but mm-hmm can be picked up by people and it's so hard to do and you know obviously our competitor plays a game which is much more end-to-end and that and that's their system and that appeals to a wide group of people but for us it's been that really focus on creating a simulation people knock us a lot for the things that we don't get right we hear the fans all the time you mentioned the most passionate fan base um very very passionate and we and we owe everything to them seriously like you cannot I cannot express that you know enough because you've got a game here which is going up against a juggernaut and every year we are doing the numbers we are doing fantastic we are successful and it's all down to people who appreciate our product who are going out every year and buying it and you know PES 2020 has been the most successful game for us in recent history amazing and that, and that has been a huge huge kind of realization that we've got this this amazing fan base and we need to do something special now and i think the turn of the the generation allowed us to do this i think it really did i think there's this uh concern maybe if you're not there at the start of a generation but you and i both know we've seen the pre-orders go up for these new consoles and how difficult it's been Mm -hmm. to get a console for launch can you imagine how long that will last uh, the current world situation, those kind of things, everything could change. So I think actually they've timed it perfectly. And the focus has been, I think the team has made a fantastic game in PES 2020 and PES 2021. Absolutely unbelievable. And they did it in a year. Can you imagine what these guys do in two years with a new engine? And I want everyone to dream because I'm, 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 I'm with everybody here. I'm dreaming too, because this is, not a game that I'm making. You know, I'm not making this game. This is the development team in Japan. And I'm so excited like a fan to see what they're going to do. Mm. Um, so while it's a difficult decision, I fully support what they've done. And I have so much ad- admiration because it is a risk. It is taking a chance. And there was definitely um, some concern of how it might be received. But again, I think the way that the communication was delivered was perfect the openness, the clear communication. There was nothing left for interpretation. We were very clear. Even the dev team working extra to give everyone a glimpse of what's going to happen. I mean, did you see that teaser? It's ridiculous. Unbelievable. It's ridiculous. And to, to be able to do that more than a year before the game would be released, I think everyone should be very, very excited about the future. And I think that all that happened with the teaser, with the communication... And seeing the reception, listen, the fans have been incredible. I want to say that the fans have been absolutely wonderful, so supportive. And, and But the team know as well that that will go out the window if 22 doesn't deliver on our promise. Mm-hmm. But I have no doubt, really have no doubt that it will. So for me, it's a very exciting time. And just to finish up, I mentioned, I mean, you mentioned 21 being a great game. 
a lot of that is owed to how fantastic 2020 was. I believe that with all right at the end after the updates uh, of PES 2020, um, the last data pack and the last gameplay patch, the game was in such a special place. So again, it allowed us to release 21 in a way where we were happy with it, with the updates of the kits and the rosters, with the updates of some players. And we will still be releasing data packs for PES 21. You know, we we will keep updating that game. So you'll see all this nice new content coming in, keeping the game fresh and updated. And I think the base was already very strong. And I'm really pleased that we have this game, which, again, makes it easier to make this decision. I'm going to pause there. So, um, A, I'm going to open my drink because... You, I was wondering why you were knocking about. I can tell you don't do podcasts very often. <laughs> people, you know, people at home are like, Adam, I remember WMB podcasts. They were so professional. Yeah, sorry, guys. This is a WMB. No, no, no. no. This, is, this is why listeners love it because they know it. But before I go continue with 2021, you mentioned something there. You know, from being in the industry a lot, um, it's interesting because a, a publisher never or a developer never really says anything unless, A, they have mm. to delay it or something has already gone wrong and they have to react to, you know, backlash or negative engagement on social media. What surprised me was just one minute, there's nothing there. And then the next minute, there's a press statement from you guys. And it's, you know, when you're surprised that you lift your eyebrows in a happy surprise, like Mm. you said, I read that press release. I had no questions. I didn't think, but, Mm. but, but because you guys just, you told me what was happening. I understood what was happening. And I was like, full respect. I totally understand. I love PES 2020. I played it for the entire year. I'm ha- I'll am i happily play 2021 with Bruno Fernandes in my team. You know, mm-hmm. um, before I move on, one critique, though, with that uh, teaser trailer, you should have used Rashford. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, same thing, jaw hit the floor. I was like, no way. I had to call my wife in. I was like, look at, I, I said, babe, look at Messi. And mm-hmm. she was like, why is he walking there? And then when I says, I says, that's not him. And she was like, wow, you know, and um, mm. she was impressed. But going back to PES 2021, you mentioned the strong base. And that was obviously um, noticed by critics last year because you won E3 2019's Best Sports Game Award for that mm. um and obviously that wasn't the only one you won a lot uh, so i, I want to expand on the more a bit after playing the game extensively i've noticed tweaks throughout the gameplay and i've noticed it in things like passing dribbling when i'm receiving the ball or trapping the ball were there actually any changes or any tiny changes made in 2021 and if there were which ones are you most proud of well, PES 21, it's very important that a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people commenting on why hasn't Konami communicated more or why haven't they done more marketing around 21? And I think it's staying consistent. Mm-hmm. We made an announcement saying that there'll be no, there'll be no gameplay improvements. Mm-hmm. Just because people are starting to enjoy some of the changes that I've made, which, by the way, are not improved. We don't class these as improvements. They are bug fixes. Wow. Which everybody knows when when we do a gameplay patch, things change. (laughs) They have, and I I, I used to say this a lot when, 
even before I was working at Konami. And I used to ask the same questions that you're asking me to the people at Konami. And being in the team, and I can say this is absolutely true, when the patches come in, a lot of the time when people feel differences that aren't communicated, usually when we do patch notes, we'll say we changed, we improved this or we improved that. We'd, we haven't said anything about improvement because factually it's not correct. Mm -hmm. The changes that you're feeling are bug fixes and bug fixes can have an impact on certain things in the game. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you're mentioning about these improvements that you feel, which mm -hmm. are the, the passing. Maybe the bug fix that we made was to do with an animation or extension of an animation timeline, which stopped the player from taking it faster or mm -hmm. releasing the ball faster. And everything in PES 2021, and I, I want to be very clear with everybody, because, again, I think the, the team has done a fantastic job of not mis-selling this game. And, and just because, and it's great, honestly, I've seen so much positivity about 21. And it's great people are feeling it. But it would be wrong of us to change our tune just because as soon as people get the game in their hands and we say, yeah, yeah, that's right. And that would be insincere. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, one thing that we have done really well this year is being extremely transparent about what we're doing. And I don't want to change that communication. I'm happy. I'm the same, Sonny. I played 21. I was messaging you when I started playing it. And I was like, I'm, I'm really enjoying this game. Mm -hmm. But that's not because we've done something and we don't want to start saying, hey, guys, you're going to feel improvements because it's false. Some people might appreciate the bug fix changes and some people might not even notice them. And I think that's the key. It's an opinion which may be based on play style, maybe. Now, the communication has been consistent from our fan base that they've really enjoying these these changes that have been created through this bug fixing. And we're really happy to hear that, but we're not going to start marketing it. We're not going to start talking about it because, like I said, it's just not true. Um, but when we used to do the patches in the past, people used to feel things positively and negatively. Sometimes mm -hmm. we would have to do bug fixes, which in the older games, I remember people would say, oh, the shooting's not strong anymore. Maybe there was a bug issue with a goalkeeper that he couldn't save a certain type of shot. So we had to decrease the velocity in certain instances, you know? And then people would say, oh, you've nerfed the shooting. It's probably a bug fix that impacted the shooting. We had no intention to make the shooting worse. And this is exactly the same scenario. We've made some bug fixes to certain situations. People tell me when they play PES 21, the shielding's better. You've improved the shielding. Probably mm -hmm. not. What we've done is, We've probably found a bug where the shielding wasn't working, fixed the bug, and hey, presto, people feel an improvement, and that's what you're feeling right now. So I think overall it's a positive, and what people are experiencing from it is a huge positive. But to say that, that their improvements wouldn't be true. Amazing. See, again, I love the transparency. It's still going, which is great. And <laughs> can I just say, if you were one of the people that said this shot doesn't work anymore, <laughs> as a Pez master, myself, learn to shoot a different way. You know, plain and simple, right? I'll make that net bulge any way I want. I remember I was playing. You know what? People think this is Sonny just talking for the podcast. This is how we always talk when so we play Pez. I remember <laughs> Pez 13. I remember Pez 13 when, when we came around. We had like a work trip and I, and I stayed over in Birmingham. Um, and I remember we had, uh, we had like a Pez night and we were playing Pez 13 and we were doing, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, pound for pound. Random, 
not yeah pound for pound yeah pound for pound i remember that and um it it wasn't random select mode but we were doing like a random choose mm-hmm. pick team so we wouldn't we'd we'd do a league and then we'd do a random and sometimes we would get good teams and bad teams right just depending on the pick and then we would play play matches and it was fantastic mm-hmm. and i remember you would talk exactly the same way <laughs> you were like oh this but you, but you are pretty good at PES, to be fair. I will say. Well, for I listeners who are wondering, what what are they talking about pound for pound? We hear, so as you know, um, statistics, statistics will show that Birmingham is an absolute hotbed for PES. And there's a <laughs> thriving competitive community here, you know, that plays PES. So what we did is um, we created something called pound for pound, which is, you play a best out of five or best out of 11 if you've got the endurance to do it. But you choose different teams. They've got to be from the same league, random, as you mentioned. Can't touch a formation, can't touch a tactics. You, as a player, need to adapt your gameplay. And if you end up with a two-star against a five-star, I hope you're good at defending because you're going to be defending that whole game. But it just changes it and you it really... You know, exemplifies what you're talking about—the little details that you guys put in those smaller teams, and mm. you appreciate the matches. I remember there was—I can't remember the teams, but I remember me and you went the same team like ten games in a row because the matches were so close, and it was just yeah. like, oh, it feels so good. It feels so good. But this question I've wanted to ask you in a, for a while, especially since obviously the announcement was made, and that was um, so the cover stars. For this year's game, and, and in my mm. opinion, dude, uh, the best ever for any football game. Mm. And the reason for that is you have the two best players of the modern era in Messi and Ronaldo. Mm. And you also decided to include two of the hottest young stars in world football in Alfonso Davis and the Marcus Rashford. Mm. So, first of two questions about the cover. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of listeners would actually be really intrigued. How did the idea of getting Messi and Ronaldo on the cover together and how did you make it happen? Because it's always one or the other, right? You know, if one ends mm. up on one game, the other one's on the other game and switch the mm. route and you got them both. So how did that happen? Mm. Well, we started last year with um, with PES 2020 to put four players on the cover. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that came from... Um, the marketing teams really wanting to amplify our our big clubs that mm-hmm. we just signed um, in really high level partnerships. Um, so joining Barcelona was Manchester United, Bayern mm-hmm. Munich, um, and Juventus. And I think when you have those four big teams, especially when we first signed them, we wanted to do make a statement, and I think signing them was a huge statement. And also just to amplify it in all our creative. And that's where the kind of the base came from right in the beginning. Then when we started to sign the players, we had a different strategy for each team in 2020 where it was a new idea. So we were looking for opportunities or looking for people who wanted to engage with the product. But something that's, that's, that's really important actually is, is I think the more that over the years, the more that I've started working with, with footballers, Pez has grown. And I kind of get that from the way that you'll see now more so more than ever. It's, I mean, it's a really basic example, but seeing footballers actively engaging in your, you know, in the, in the game, 
playing pairs and you know maybe three four years ago you wouldn't really see that and it's changed so you start to have a bigger portfolio of players to choose from because you want to sign people who want to uh, who are actually PES fans, you know, or have engaged with the game and, or do play PES. And I remember last year we had uh, Gnabry. He was a superstar for me. Uh, we caught him at the right time. Same with uh, McTominay. We caught them at the right time because they were up and coming at, in that period. Uh, Gnabry had an absolutely breakout, standout season last year. Definitely. Um, it really established himself. And obviously Scott came into my United team, was used more than expected as well. But but these were players who really cared about pairs and we would have wanted to and loved to, would have loved to work with them again. I think for 21, when the discussion came is, it was more about keeping it fresh and changing it up with our partners. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the, the persistent, which was Leo. Um, and Messi's been fantastic, you know, honestly his engagement with the product, his care, that launch trailer that we released uh, for PES 21, I mean, how about it? Fantastic. And a lot of that was meant, um, was kind of made, sorry, was from Leo's input. You know, we were going through his history. He would, he spoke to us, told us about his favorite moments, mm-hmm. his standout moments, the ones that stick with him, how he remembers those moments. And we picked them based on him mm-hmm. and the way that he he participated in that trailer his enthusiasm to be a part of such a such a creative so we had him and i think honestly the ronaldo idea came from fantastic discussions with um with juventus and juventus are such a huge club and funny for me to say still juventus are only in pairs it's mm-hmm. crazy even now for me to say. It's mad. Um, absolutely it's mad, crazy. Isn't it? okay. It's like absolutely crazy. You mentioned yeah. it earlier, you know, going up against a juggernaut to have Juve is it's, it's a statement of intent, you know, it's massive. Mm-hmm. And I think we we really wanted a powerful cover. Also, you know, I want to be completely honest with you, this this took me by surprise as well because I wasn't I wasn't involved in these discussions with these players. You know, mm-hmm. the last time I was involved with a player acquisition was probably Messi. Mm-hmm. And um, I had some little participation in, in the other players for 2020. Um, but Messi was the one that I was more involved in, I should say. But this year, I, I didn't really meet me personally. So me, like many of the people uh, listening right now, when they saw that cover or when they knew about it, for me, think about a few months before, obviously, I was aware of what was going on. And even I was giddy. I couldn't believe it. But a lot of the reasons for picking those players was working with the clubs, finding the right people. Um, I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe the clubs would also be speaking to players and finding out who would love to do it mm. as well. And that's really important. You know, I th- you know we don't want to sign ambassadors for our game who who don't want to engage and help us improve because we do a lot with the players. We don't just get them in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. We put the game in front of them as well, you know. We ask them to play it. We ask them for feedback and their opinions. We build this game for the footballers. This is why we stick for simulation. And, you know, Ronaldo, as, as you know, he's got great, great history with, with Pez. You know, the last cover was 2013. I still remember the commercial for that on the rooftop. 
Yeah, exactly. And that was, um, you know, he's got history. Work, he's uh, playing at, at Juve. Um, we we started to float the idea, what if, what if? And I remember being aware of those discussions. And then the next time I heard of it was, I was just, just hearing from the teams that we'd signed him. I was stunned as well. And I couldn't believe it. And I think when we signed Alfonso Davies, it reminds me of the signing of Serge, Serge, Serge Gnabry, where you have a standout season coming out and you know the future's bright from that moment. And I think, obviously, I think everyone believes probably by the end of the season, Davies will be seen as the best left-back in the world or one of the best left-backs in the world. So I think he's an incredible signing. And I don't, I don't think anyone can say anything more about Marcus. I mean, he is away from, the, away from football, uh, an absolutely incredible, incredible man. And um, on the pitch, he had a great season last year. I hope it continues this year as well. And I think he has obviously become such an important player for Manchester United, one of the top, top players at one of the biggest football clubs in the world at such a young age. And obviously, I mentioned before, what he's doing outside of the pitch is, is absolutely incredible. And to have someone like him on the cover as well, I think is just as important as having Leo and uh, Cristiano. Definitely. Um, just for the community then, and for my own intrigue, just really, really briefly, um, what's your what what's a normal time frame to get the cover finalised each year? Oh well, listen, we start talking about the next game before the current one's out. <laughs> that's that's good plan. Um, we start we start having a lot of um, discussions early on, um, and I I am late to those discussions these days. So. Mm-hmm. That would probably mean that when I hear about them, um, people are thinking about it well before that. Mm-hmm. But these discussions are, are very early. And obviously, you, you are looking at trying to sign them as late as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably by, you know, by April, May, they're locked. You know, obviously, you know, obviously they are. Um, I, I, think, I think the way that I think the team do it, and it's my... Certainly how I used to do it back in the day. Now, I was definitely the person maybe maybe up until, yeah, maybe up until PES 2019 was leading that discussion. And we would certainly look at form and we would look at the start of the season, turn of the year to start locking down. We'd have a number of candidates. You know, one of the things about PES and Lucky it's very fortunate to work on such a global brand is that people want to work with you. You don't force people. Mm-hmm. So you usually get a lot of people approaching you. And I've been very fortunate in that position to have some, some incredible players come forward and want to, want to work with us. Um, and you start to look at your options, the opportunities, seeing if it fits in with your strategy, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, that's how I see it. I remember my best moment of signing a player will always be forever will be Mario Goethe. 100%, 100% the, the best moment for me in my career of signing a player because that was a risk. Mm-hmm. And that was well before he scored that World Cup final goal. Mm-hmm. And to be able to, I really appreciate that, 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 that year, that was past 2015, 
And I really appreciate the team in Japan believing in this decision because we were going into this uh, period where we just released PES 14. PES 15 was our first next-gen game. And the whole idea, I talk about strategy and concepts and wanting the cover star to, to, to make a statement for, for you in your game. Mario at the time was this up-and-coming player in German football who just that summer had made that that move to Bayern. So he hadn't played for Bayern from 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 Dortmund. He was probably the best young player in the world at, at, at the time. And what happened was, you know, he was he was going to a big club. Mm. I mean, obviously Dortmund are a big club, but you, but you know what I mean. And I think he was going to a World Cup. And for him to be our cover star, this we wanted to give this message of next generation first PES game on the on, on the new consoles on, on the PS4 and Xbox One. Have a player which when you see the cover, you get the feeling, oh, this is the next generation of footballer. And I remember we signed him uh, before the World Cup and everyone still like wondering how it was going to be received. And I remember when he scored that goal in the World Cup final, my, my wife can, can, can tell you, I mean, you know, you know Nadia. Mm-hmm. I was jumping up and down for a goal <laughs> by Germany more than I've celebrated some AC Milan goals. And I knew at that moment that it was such a vindication of making the right choice. And that's probably been, yeah, the really special moment of signing a footballer because you do look at that. I had the same feeling when we did... Um, when we did uh, the cover for PES 17, mm-hmm. we signed um, uh, Neymar mm-hmm. and we signed uh, Morata. And that summer, Neymar went and and scored the Champions League in the Champions League final, mm-hmm. uh, as did as did Morata. <laughs> um, uh, Neymar went, you know, he won the Champions League that year. I think they 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 did the treble that year, Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And Morata was one of the first players or the first player or something like that who scored in every single knockout round, every single match from the knockout round to the final. And he had a great season. You know, we managed to sign these players who, who when you saw them on the cover, made sense. And that's what you want when you have your cover stars. You want them to make sense. Mm. Two quick questions for you then on that. Um, who You get to meet, obviously, a lot of these cover stars in the past. Did you ever go easy on them when you played them? Or did you just, hi, how you doing? And then smash them. Go easy, go easy. Listen. <laughs> listen. I, I can't picture you going easy. That's the thing. I did. I did a few <laughs> times. I remember when I did, I've played games with quite a few of them. And I think, listen, I, I remember two matches, which kind of are different contrasts. There was a match with, with Mario Goetze. I remember that one. And I didn't, I didn't go easy on him. And I, I, I remember he, we, we were doing a shoot, and we just wanted him to sit in front of the game with the controller, and we were just doing some photo shoots of him playing the game and stuff like that. And then we were changing set, and he's like, "I'm bored. Someone, someone, play with me. Come on." And then I was like, "All right, I'll play with you." And he was, <laughs> he was, he was giving it a little bit. So I scored, and I celebrated. I celebrated in front of his face. Yeah, come on, I remember that. But he was good fun, and um, that one I didn't go easy on him. Uh, there's a there's what a well-known the video. Uh, it finished one nil to me. 
I kind of went easy on Neymar. <laughs> I was going to say, you, did, you, you went yeah. easy if it finished 1-0. <laughs> yeah. Neymar was a funny one. Okay. Neymar was, was, was an interesting one where I did go easy on him a little bit because what happened was we did a shooting with Neymar in Japan mm-hmm. and I was going to be with him the whole day. And by the way, what, a, what an amazing guy. I have to say this because people, obviously I've got a lot of things to say about Neymar, but I want to say that he is one of the most nicest, nicest people I've ever met. Nice. He, I spent a full day with him, don't forget. Not like a, a few hours or anything, a full day with this guy. He has his entourage for sure. But even those guys were so pleasant. He doesn't speak very good English, but even his entourage is a mixture of family and, and long-time friends, I think. So there's about five of them that kind of follow him everywhere. And one of them spoke amazing English. And me and his, uh, I think it was, I don't think that guy was family. I think he was one of those close friends. Mm-hmm. And he was really pleasant and he, me and him hit it off really well. We had a really great conversation and I would look after the guys, get them drinks and stuff. And the thing about that was we, we spent a full day, but the first thing we did was play the match. So my thinking going into the match is don't smash him <laughs> because I thought to myself, honestly, but that's the bad thing. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like they say in professional football, don't go into a match um, even a friendly or even a training session, don't go in thinking it's a training session. You got to play it, otherwise you'll you maybe have bad form or you won't be able to recover if you don't take a match seriously. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> I underestimated him completely because I remember there was a match where I had an open goal. I didn't take it seriously. I didn't I didn't look after my shot, and it went over the bar. And then from there, he just lit up. He scored two goals, beat me two 0 uh, and at that point I started off way too easy on this guy and then I realised very quickly and listen, let me tell you this this is a great thing, right I remember this when we were in the when we were in the change controls menu and naturally I'm thinking he's going to change the controls to you know what mm-hmm. and he's struggling a little bit and I, I asked his friend and I just said I say it like almost didn't want to say it but I didn't want Neymar struggling so I said to his friend is, is he okay with the controls does he need to change anything and uh, his his friend asked him in Portuguese and, and Neymar was just like oh no I'm just making sure I, I remember the controls <laughs> and I was thinking to myself alright okay so he doesn't want to so, so he does play pairs great great of course he does okay great and then we start the game and the guy is just playing the ball around like crazy and you know that that moment when you get close to the goal and you're thinking, okay, is he going to finish? Can he finish? And honestly, I think he had two chances and he just took a clean, wow. clean. And I was just like, and you know, at that point when you're 1-0 down, you start trying a little bit harder, but it's too late. The guy had already started dominating the game. So I couldn't get close to him and I couldn't get my game back. And then he scored the second and it was done. Um, he was, but yeah, I do, I, I do want to say he was a fantastic guy. I had a fantastic day with him. I can't remember when it was. It was a while. It was a couple of years ago. I remember he posted on social media. He was in his living room and he had a huge projector. It just had Pez on there, and he was just like, yeah. he was just like, you know, perfection. That was it. That's all he wanted, just to chill out and play Pez. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Just out of the blue, the game's been out for months. He doesn't have to do any marketing on it, but he's just there playing the game, you know, because he loves it. 
before I leave uh, and move on to um, some of the questions, just really, really quick. You've worked with legends in the past, and you've worked with cover stars. Has it? When was you? When were you most nervous to meet someone? Oh, it's 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 gonna be messy every time. Mm-hmm. Every time seeing him for the first time, and that was last year. Um, being around him, I remember. I'll tell you the story. So we're going to the shoot, and I'm with his agent. And what happens is, is that we're in the set. Leo comes in, he gives me a nod because I'm with, I'm side by side talking with with his agent, and so he sees, he sees Pablo, shakes his hand, sees me, shakes my hand, and goes into the dressing room. And at that moment, I'm like, wow, okay. He goes in the dressing room, he's getting ready for the shoot. Pablo starts talking to me. Suddenly, someone shouts, Pablo, Pablo, we need you. So he walks away, and I'm like, don't walk away. In my head, I'm thinking, please don't walk away. Because the only thing that I can imagine is the worst thing is that Leo comes out of the dressing room and sees me. And I don't know what to say to him, whatever. And obviously, that's exactly what happened. (laughs) So Pablo's far away. Messi comes out, looks up at me, wonderful smile. And he just goes, hola. (laughs) I'm just like... "Uh." I'm just like, hola, uh, Pablo. I just scream, Pablo. Pablo just looks and comes running over. Um, gives me a proper introduction to Messi. Such a, such a quiet, shy person. Really, really nice. So, so kind and very caring about what's needed. Pablo takes him away. My heart's beating like crazy. Now, to every Messi shoot, his brother and his father turn up. So... During as we're getting ready for the first scene, uh, Messi's father and brother come in, and the first person they see is me. And I recognize, I don't know if you've ever seen his father, but mm-hmm. his father's just like the older version of like, look at his actor. I knew it was the father. And again, the shooting's about to take place, so I can't shout this time. So I just go, Oh, like I speak really slowly. I'm not sure how good the English is. I've had, a, I've had some emails from Messi's father in the past, usually when I've con- congratulated them on whatever Messi's achieved because he's achieving so much you know? every year it's a, it's a, it's yeah a year, I think I think last time I spoke to his father was when he won the world player of the year and I sent them an email saying congratulations his, his father sent me an email back thanking me and stuff and so I knew that there was a, a limitation of English so I spoke slow I said hey I'm Adam from 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 Konami please stay here if you need anything let me know and then literally just turned and just bolted towards Pablo to get him again and to to bring him across to to make sure the the family were okay but I've never been so nervous and I think it's the stature of the player as well I mean for me I know you you love Ronaldo uh big big time and obviously I probably would have felt the same if I was around him but for me this is the best 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 footballer in in history without a doubt for me mm. and to be around him and him not having any kind of, I don't know, like aura or demand for, for anything. This this kind of feeling like, hey, I'm the best, treat me like this. Nothing like that. This guy is just the nicest guy you're ever going to meet. And just not knowing how to act around him. I've never had that before. With with I remember when I met Neymar for the first time. This guy was amazing, honestly. It's like He came over to me, put his arm around me, friendly as hell and there's certain types of personalities and you kind of that calmed me down when I met him I was like okay this is gonna be fine 
But when I met Leo, there was just this kind of me wanting to be super polite and welcoming and him being shy and respectful was just this kind of clash where I didn't know what to do. You know, I was so, so, so nervous meeting him. So nervous, you know, Sonny, that I never asked him for a picture. Wow. I've never been like that with anybody. I wow. couldn't do it. I just, and it's not that I, I, I was, it was on my mind. I just totally forgot about getting a picture with him. That is amazing, you mm. know, and it's just a testament to the draw of Pez, you know, that these world athletes and these like massive names, they, 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 they get excited about playing the game and being a part of it. And as a fan, it makes me so proud as well that, you know, the world's, the two of the world's best football players in um, Cristiano Ronaldo and Marcus Rashford want to be on the cover. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, but you mentioned um, PS4 and Xbox One. I want to take you back a little bit. Um, so let's go back to the launch of the PS4 and Xbox One. You briefly spoke about it. You guys made the decision um, to hold off on a PS4 and Xbox One version um, and stick to the previous generation. And obviously you mentioned that allowed the development team more time to get used to the hardware, create the, the game that you wanted to make, you know, because you guys had many visions for that new iteration of the game. So for you... If you'd look just at those initial visions, ideas, and discussions you had, have you been able to achieve all of them up until 2021? Hmm. I, I feel like I shouldn't be probably speaking for the dev team here. Mm. I think I can, I can only give you, give you my opinion. I think the dev team will always say that they managed to achieve a great deal but maybe not not everything. And I, I say that because I, I know how they dream. Mm-hmm. I know what they what they want. And there's obviously limitations in what we can do sometimes because we're locked out of things. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't go and sign certain licenses because we're locked from them or we can't do certain things. And I think maybe, you know, people see licenses become available. Uh, you know, we recently moved away from the Champions League license for example, mm-hmm. um, those kind of things. And I think maybe when it comes to the gameplay and the mechanics and stuff, I strongly believe the dev team have over-delivered, but whether they would say that because they're so self-critical and so demanding of themselves, I'm not sure they would ever say that 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 they were satisfied. You know, mm-hmm. um, I remember many times going, remember when we won the Gamescom Award three out of four years, um, and I remember going back to them and saying, congratulations, can't believe it. What, what a run, look what we're doing. And they just like focused on improving. And they never, you know, obviously they'd be very happy that we did it, but it would be like, okay, forget about that. Let's go, let's go again. Let's, mm. you know, they're very focused and stuff. So I personally believe that when we got to, one of the, one of the most difficult things about the PS4 era at the start of it, a PS4, Xbox One era was 100% Fox Engine mm-hmm. and adapting Fox Engine, an engine not made for a football game. Mm-hmm. And that was the hardest period for us. I remember being in so much so much discussions, trying to understand the, the challenges we had to overcome and what the dev team were actually going through. And then when we got to PES 18, I was really happy because at that point, I felt like we'd, we'd created something much more closer to what we've always wanted to do. And that was a real improvement, massive improvement from PES 17 to PES 18. 
And then you saw much, much more of molding going on from PES 18 to 19 to, to 20 because we created a fantastic base with PES 18. And I think we were probably more satisfied than ever with what we'd achieved with Fox when we got to PES 18. Mm. Um, and then being able to iterate a little bit more than having to having to innovate for the for the last three years with 15, 16 and 17, and then really finding a solid base with 18, 19 and 20. And that's definitely been the most successful years for PES in terms of commercially. Mm-hmm. I would say that we've seen a nice spike every time from 18 to 19. To, and then 2020, PES 2020 has been phenomenal, which has allowed us, which is the success of PES 2020 has allowed us to have uh, an absolutely groundbreaking launch for PES 21 because of the success of 2020. So I think I think we got to a point of, of satisfaction for sure, but I'm positive the dev team would say that they, <laughs> they always want more. Well, I'm happy you broke down, obviously, the yearly installments there and you're talking about the dev team like that because one of the biggest improvements throughout this PS4 and Xbox One generation has been the animations of the players and the movement Mm. of the ball itself. Mm. So my question for you is, and you mentioned it right at the beginning about how difficult it is to reimagine a football game in digital form. So how has the dev team been able to keep up with the ever-changing style and faster pace of real-world football and incorporate that into a digital game? When we, when I, when I speak to the animation team, mm-hmm. and certainly being in Japan and sitting with them and seeing how they incorporate the data and how they look to include as many things as possible based on the situational uh, circumstances of how a game flows, how free the ball is, how how the game can can move or change, keeping that unpredictability. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think how they've achieved it is basically over analysis, over delivering all the time. When when I when I see them going through motion capture sessions, the amount of motion capture sessions. I mean, listen, you mentioned animation, particularly what I'm talking about right now. I came into Pairs as a brand manager, uh, telling the team that we that the focus was animations. We have to make this game move properly. And and they were just like saying to me, tell us something you, we don't know. Of course we know that. And that's what we focused on. And they would tell me about all this planning that they that they mm. were doing to, to improve animation. If anything, I didn't... I've always seen long-term planning from the dev team. Don't get me wrong. But things you have to be... There's, there's, there's many things in sports games that you have to be innovative, but also adaptive. Mm-hmm. And I think with the animation, it's all about replication. And I think that's where where it was a difference, where they could actually build a solid plan of how they could improve the animation consistently over the years. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, how players move, how you kick, everything doesn't really change in, in the world of football. Tech, the you know high level tech technique is there. Obviously, you'll start to get some some uh, individuality with the movement you see running animations or you see celebrations and stuff and they're the kind of thing that you have to be adaptive for but the the basics of movement passing the ball touch control 
these are things that don't tend to change dramatically in the world of football. So, so being able to have, um, okay, so it, 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 it's not a moving target and it's not still, but it's it, it's not something that you can't quite hone down and, and, and perfect. And I think when I came into uh, working on pairs and where we are now, the strides that have been made have been mag- magnificent. But one of the key things that you link to the animation, mm-hmm. and this is something that I've, I was told over and over again, is that the way we make the game, now, the dev team want to keep the complete unpredictability of football. And the key where it comes from is keeping the ball free as possible. And, you know, I'm not so sure when it was. I think it was around the Pez 18 era. So Pez 18, 19, 20, around this time was when the ball started to become crazy free. Not even free in normal football game terms or that you know it, it would it would have a mind of its own but it really did become a separate entity where you felt the rebounds the way it bounced and curved uh, how it would react off a ricochet or hitting the bar it would be unique and different and it really became incredibly free and that created a whole new um set of situations that they had to plan animations for because the players have to react to it. How do they move? How do they control this type of ball? Or if it's spinning this way? And that's been what's really driving the animation further in PES is that, you know, you see some wonderful different types of passing now where the players will try and dink the ball depending on the situation uh, or the way that, 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 that they'll control the ball sometimes with the bottom of the foot because it's bouncing a certain way as, it, as it's coming to them. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things is keeping it varied and, trying to keep it fresh every time you play the game. And I think what I've seen in recent years as improvement to the shooting, I think in 2020 and PES 2021, you're seeing the different variety of how the players start hitting the ball now inside, outside of the foot. So it's still developing and it's still becoming better, but they have a plan of exactly how they can keep improving every year on the animation. And it's so important to making you feel like you're watching the real thing. So, and you know the and the craziest thing is is when I when I hear Hasoda San speak and he, I think he mentioned it in the press release as well about how we want to improve the animation, how we want to improve the 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 player individuality, the player visuals, all these kind of things. And I I feel like right now they've already hit a certain level. I'm so excited to see where they, where they're going, knowing that they've been that they've got this plan for such a long time. And. I think that's what makes me most proud about this game is it's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a yearly, you know, tagline to use to get headlines or anything. I think every, I can't remember the first time I heard the term player individuality. It's like I've heard it throughout the entire history of Pro Evolution Soccer anime. It's it's just an ever evolving thing for the dev team. And it just makes you so proud knowing that you don't rest on your laurels in any way Mm. and when you think you can definitely see that when an artist completes something that's when they see the faults and I feel like that's what you're saying with the dev team is they'll complete something think they've done the best and then when they see the finished product they think we can make that better we can make Mm. that better and it Mm. and it's such an exciting thing for a Pez fan to hear that you know that this team just never 
is satisfied with the with what they've accomplished. They want they know they can do better. They can be more efficient. They want to do more. And I'm getting like you know that excited feeling in my stomach now about all these future mm. games. I can't wait. But um, mm. I want to take a switch here. I think that's the perfect place to end on gameplay. And I want to talk to you about um, modes, specifically one in particular. So a big component of the PES series has been the My Club mode within the game. During the um, this generation, you know when you keep we're so close to a new one, you keep saying previous, but we're actually still in the current generation. So during the PS4 and Xbox One generation, you know all I've seen is exponential growth in online services across the whole medium of video games. Um, and obviously that's helped my club grow into the number mm. one mode for the series. How has mm. my club changed since its inception? Massively so. I think when it when I think when it when it came in, it was kind of um, I would say bare bones in terms of how you would play and build your team. And I think these days now you've got a variety of different options and ways to to do that. We have the new featured players. We have weekly events and stuff. And I think that's the that's the way it's going. You know, I I I would envision the way that my club is going is based on the way that people play games now you talk you know you hear a lot of industry conversations going on about live service games and that's what everyone is doing now and a lot of games companies are trying to incorporate that mm-hmm. into their games somehow and i think obviously with my club we got such a natural fit and i think the focus for us is to keep providing lots of lots of content for the for the fans and you know we we are building um, a fantastic mode right now i think when people play my club and it's only going to get better. I mean, it's one of the things that, again, I keep mentioning the things that Hasoda-san said about the things that, that, that we're improving for the, for the, for the next game. And, you know, my club is a, a key part of that. And I personally as well, like, like you listening, um, is going to be very excited to see where that, where that leads us. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, I do want to say something. Mm-hmm. My club is is the most played mode in PES, as you said. It's the most popular mode, but also for PES twenty, Master League was huge, huge. Mm-hmm. When I see the amount of people, when I see the data that I get, and I see the amount of people playing Master League every day, dude, huge, massive, massive numbers, and I think that ensures that. Not only will my club keep improving and, um, you know, personally, I think the way that people play games, I think my club will continue to be the, the number one mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but Master League is not going to be left behind. Um, and I think it's really important when you think about the success of my club, we don't want it to become a my club game. You mm-hmm. know, we don't want people to think that, 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 that that's all we focus on. But being a game which is driven by the fans and if all the fans or most of the fans are playing my club then we're going to make sure that 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 mode is is at its best um um and how we improve it i'll be interested to see everyone knows about making sure that there's a lot of content always there for people making sure people are within the mode all the time and being able to feel that they've got tons to do in that mode and i'm really excited to see what the team do um and I, I can remember when when we first brought it in because it was because it was PES 15, and um, 
the way that it was built and kind of the simplicity mm. now when you look back and you can see it improving massively year on year you know whether it be i think it was pez 19 where we first brought in the multi multiplayer packs you know being able to sign a bunch of players build a lot of teams mm-hmm. um you know people usually say to me one of the biggest reasons why they really appreciate my club is the 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 value because you know let's let's not get around it people spend money in my club mm-hmm. but the ease that people feel to be able to get to a very strong team or a team that they would want to get to without needing to spend the money that other games demand of them. And that's one of those things as well where I think people appreciate how we've built the ecosystem in uh, in my club. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just about making sure people want to keep playing and how they play, you know, consistently. Um, I, I really love all the legends coming into the game, which is, you know, that's been really, really mm-hmm. important. Um, and I think, you know, seeing more of them and how we incorporate, you know, we've been doing different versions of of Legends recently with the Iconic Moment series, which I love that series, honestly, especially recently because the team started to create different uh, player models. So it's not just a, a different card. It's also the players looking different, the Legends mm-hmm. looking different. Um, you saw the trailer as well with Messi um, in, the, in the launch trailer of the the five different versions of Messi coming to the game at some point and seeing him through the, you know, through the ages with his different hairstyle. And um, there's one in the trailer, there was the one where he scored the goal against your boys uh, with with the header and he kisses the boot. We've got that celebration in the game. You know, that's the Pez side of things. So I don't know what you're talking about. I really, really love that. (laughs) don't know what you're talking about. All I remember from that trailer, mate, is uh, David Beckham. That's it, you know. Yeah, Beckham, Beckham. You know, I, you know, I, I would, I, I would, you know, I, I really don't know if this is going to happen, but I really hope the team bring, you know, a few more different versions of Bex. I mean, we have a few there to be fair, but it'd be nice to see some, some different, you know, some more versions of, of, of him and the other players as well. You need a post World Cup '98 um, where he shaves his head and just focuses on football. And, you know, that, that was... one, yeah, I'd love that. I'd, I'd love it if if they if if they brought that Beckham in. I'd I'd love it as well, absolutely. And 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 that's the cool thing about what the team is doing. It's like it's not just a you know it's not just a brand new shiny card. Mm-hmm. It's it's just so much more than that with different skills and different celebrations. And I just, I'm I'm really excited to see how they you know move it move it forward. So, I mean, it sounds like my club is a never-ending process. You know, it's not a case of, right, we finished my club, let's move on to something. It's never-ending. So mm. how do you plan a roadmap for a new year of my club? Um, secondly, yeah, let's answer that first, then I'll ask you the next one. But how do you plan that roadmap for so much activity for one mode? Do you know, a lot of it is in line with... Now, from my experience being with the development team, there's a lot of conversations back and forth with the mobile team because mm-hmm. the mobile game is built around my club. It's the, that's what it is. It's it's when you download the free app, you'll go into it and you'll literally the main menu is the my club menu. So um, there's a lot of uh, similar conversations that the that the teams are having about what kind of live events they share the same schedule. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of conversations. So there's huge huge team of people looking after um this uh, live service 
Um, so I think when they start planning it, they'll be releasing a lot of content. And we use a lot of data now to make our decisions, whether it's from our game or any other, other data we can get from the industry to kind of make sure that we're following the right path. Uh, the right path being consumer expectation in mm. the industry. Um, you know, obviously, the, the first and foremost is fun expectation. And we get a lot of feedback and thoughts from the fans about where where my club should go um and i think again what's really exciting is taking a year out rather than looking at it as like a one-year time frame to make improvements i can tell you that you know the team are are really going crazy with what's coming in the future they're thinking about many more possible we want to surprise you you know the dev team really want to make a statement with this you know with the, with the future of pez so I think planning for the future, being able to plan with a two-year roadmap rather than a single year mm-hmm. allows them to really go you know, far beyond our expectations. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how they go, where they go, but they're planning further ahead than ever now. So it should be, I mean, it should be special. And for 2021, in mm. regards to my club, what are you most proud of? I think it's the iconic moment series players because for me it's perhaps the one thing because obviously in terms of the the game itself and the and the mode itself it's very much the same as PES 2020 so maybe the same improvements that we saw with 2020 I, I would align with with 21 we brought in the iconic moment series as part of our 25 year anniversary campaign Mm. Um, and we announced them when we announced our anniversary campaign or the anniversary announcements that we were going to make. And it was the first one and we, where we gave everybody uh, a free Diego Maradona. Mm-hmm. And I think when I, when, I, when I look at PES 21, I think the, the my club is around the iconic moment series for me. That's what it's built from. Um, and it's not just the legends. I mentioned the current players uh, you've seen even Ronaldo um, that we showed in the very first trailer um, showing a, a special version of, of him. Uh, I think it was, I think it was either that, was it the hat trick against Atletico? I can't remember which, which, which moment that, that was, but you know, we're, we're, we're doing the iconic moment series with current players. And for me, that's the most exciting part of my club this year is a variety of, the iconic moment series not just being stuck on legends now it's going to be a current players for PES 21 so that's what I'm excited to see well um, sticking with the online area last mm. year obviously the world saw the name change which introduced eFootball into mm. the ever long PES title so disregard the name how has the online competitive scene grown with the series throughout this particular generation and what would you say is the biggest component of the game that keeps bringing people back to play it competitively do you know what i have to give props to the dev team you know because i think i remember working for pairs back in the day and coming in and every year having so many fans complain about the online experience mm-hmm. and struggling with the connection or struggling with the stability playability um, just not having a very fun experience. And every year, the team have made really big improvements to the basic 
functionality of the mode. You know, not not just the fact that now it's a very stable experience, uh, which obviously is vital, but there's so much there to overcome things like cheating, um, you know, people having bad experiences in terms of making, you know, finding the right matchmaking. I think a lot of work has gone into, you know, additional servers throughout the years. Um, Those kind of, um, you know, I say functionality, but it's more like managing the, the online experience each year, which has allowed, you know, certain modes like my club to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the online experience is, has, has been perhaps the most difficult challenge, mm-hmm. I would say, because it's such a big hurdle to overcome. Because, again, you're talking about a development team. I mentioned right at the start when we were going through my life <laughs> and mm. I mentioned that Japan being an island and being a country away from everything and the the understanding of cultures and how they play online, the connectivity issues that people have playing across many countries, not just in Japan and learning from that and being able to improve it um, has been magnificent. It's been such an effort. It's been really, really challenging for them to understand that in Japan, people don't cheat, mm. you know. So why would you, why would you feel the need to bring in anti-cheating measures? They're learning on the spot, and you know, people maybe it's definitely a culture thing. But they, you know, but they, but they, what they got there, and you know, people talk about you know different things like um, so outside of obviously outside of pairs. But if you look at the gaming industry, I think people still have some criticisms you know, whether it's right or wrong, but they have some criticism about how Nintendo do their online service compared to other companies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the whole friend codes and those kind of things. And um, you look at, the, maybe it's a culture thing, you know, getting getting used to how the global, how the world plays games. And I think for us, it was that learning experience and the team have adapted so quickly and learned from it. And it's created an incredible online experience so much so that you know you mentioned not thinking about eFootball right now but to talk about it a little bit you know that that is a very important part of Konami as a corporation when I was in Japan um, we had eSports schools I remember being in a meeting with uh, the head of eSports and it was all in Japanese so I was (laughs) I was (laughs) I was getting parts of the conversation, but they were talking about these projects they were doing with universities and, and you know, um, having... They, there was a TV program in Japan where they were analysing esports players and if they had a higher level of what kind of high-level skill they had compared to normal people. I remember this show because it had one of the PES champions uh, in Japan, they put all this like eye tracking stuff on him and they were watching how fast his movement was and all this and all that. They were proper analyzing these things. PES has got such a great standing, um, or winning 11, I should say, in Japan. It's got such a great standing um, in in the esports culture there. It's, 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 it's like a, a leading title in the field over there. And um, yeah, the fact that we've got esports schools, we have an esports studio in the new office in Ginza. Um, 
So it's a very much a focal point. And I think the best example of that is probably what we did with the eFootball Pro, mm. which is the professional esports players being picked by the big, big teams in Europe to represent them and playing on a weekly basis. And I think that was so, so big for, for PES 2020. It's a level of professionalism that you don't see very often with the only football game doing it onto this level and this degree. And I think it shows really, I mean, they've been a huge success. Those those uh, videos that we release get, get in excess of a million views. Um, wow. So people are engaged and they're, and they're intrigued and they're watching it. It's not just some, you know, I think a lot of companies are, are, are trying to figure out esports and what and how it fits into their strategy or fits into their business. Um, but I think it's I think it's more than that for Konami. It's not just a business. I think it's an ideology that that we're creating, which allows us to treat it. I think treat it more like a sport that it is. But we see it more so than that because we're obviously making a football game, which is a professional sport. So to be able to replicate that into into competitive play, I think has been really, really natural for us. But we've seen the uptake and the and, and the way people consume it as well has been the same as how we feel about it. Amazing. You know, and I see what you're talking about. Like just you can you can sense how competitive people are online when you play it well. When they're losing three or four nil, they get really angry. But you know, you can sense that competitiveness. But it's just again, it's the same thing. Like I was the same when you go back a few years. I didn't want to play online because, as you mentioned, it just wasn't good enough. You know, and then as the dev team made progression in that area, it swung us all to the online mode, and it connects us with so many people. I mean, it's specifically during the lockdown. I don't think. Yeah. I've played so much online gaming than literally me, my brother who's in another house, my cousin who's in another house, and we're doing three-on-three co-op, you know, and I don't even think we lost during lockdown. You know, I'm I'm bragging (laughs) here, but, you know, it's just such an amazing experience and just a shout-out, you know, and I'm sure many other in the PES community will agree with me, man, just pass on our thanks to that dev team because they've created something special, you know, and... We absolutely are thankful for what we're getting now to what we initially had. <laughs> yeah, it's been huge. And I, I do thank them every day. Excellent. For sure, yeah. Excellent. All right, uh, I want to ask you some personal questions as a fan, but um, I've got one more question um, that I want to ask you. Um, so this year is a special year. You know, we're celebrating 25 years of the mm. Pez brand, you know, winning 11, ISS, eFootball, Pro, everything. There's so many names that we as fans have for it. But not many games or franchises can make it in such a competitive industry for such a long period of time. We've seen franchises come, explode, and then disappear. You know, Mm. you, the PES team, and Konomi, I honestly feel, you know, you should feel so proud of that achievement. You know, as I mentioned before, PES... The community is extremely passionate for this brand and this game. I'm one of them as well. But, you know, as you see in today's society, you know, unfortunately, that level of passion, you know, you see it on social media specifically, sometimes shown, you know, via negativity and unkind comments is the nicest way to put it. But if you look through all of it, 
Is there a sense of pride within the Pez team and Konomi as a whole that you've reached 25 years? <sighs> Absolutely. I mean, I think Konami has been very lucky, you know, in terms of as a company, you're looking at all its franchises that have been around for more than 25 years and it's pretty much all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's so much history, but to listen, the sense of pride that I get from Pez is because of the fact that we're not only surviving the team have created a franchise which is prospering, which is doing fantastically well. And we're extremely, extremely grateful to be able to keep doing what we love doing. And I think it's, you know, I remember speaking to the team when we did the 20-year anniversary campaign hmm. and um, we created loads of things like logos and campaigns and i remember that was the pez 2016 game mm-hmm. that we did that and we brought out these special edition versions and, and and all sorts we had these special t-shirts made it was a real celebration within the team and i think the one thing that i would say about it is the when i first started working at konami uh, i was a community manager and the way that i saw things then I'm definitely, definitely old now, right? I'm definitely an old man now. <laughs> but you look back at how I was back back then and the way that I took criticism and the way that I would see criticism and then being working on the franchise for so many years and seeing how the team have used that as inspiration. It's not so much that we see these people as a negative influence, Mm -hmm. but more as a, more as a reason to, to improve and to know, sometimes you have to know how important you are to these people to really understand some of the things that come from them. Now, there's obviously ways to portray that social media gives, um, I don't know, obviously a level of distance where people feel like they can say whatever they want. However, it comes from the same place. Maybe it's not portrayed in the in the correct way. And I think there's a lot of passion. But without those people, um, some can't communicate the way that we would like. But without them, we wouldn't be here. And that's the truth. And we have to find ways of making sure they don't feel they need to react that way or communicate in that way. And maybe in the past, I've been a a catalyst for some of those things because of the way that I've reacted to negativity. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's nothing to do with me because the people were going to be that way anyway. But I feel like over the years, what I've learned is to appreciate everybody. And mm-hmm. I think the dev team would say exactly the same, is that whether it's um, animosity coming at us or praise, we have to appreciate that, they, that they're the people that got us here in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um so over the 25 years, we've all learned, we've grown. There's, you know, different members and different members of the team um, uh, working on this game from from that inception. So I think it's been a long, long road, a long history. I've only been a third of it, not even a third of that, working at Konami on Pez. 
Um, so I can only imagine how it is for people who have been there for longer. And there are people who have been there for longer. Mm. Um, so I think, I think overall it's, it's a great sense of pride. And to be able to do that with, a comp- I mean, as I mentioned this before, but with a competitor that's relentless, you know, a competitor that is trying to block us out of everything. You know, we can't get some of the things that we wish we could in terms of licensing. Mm-hmm. Yet, I think it's a great example of a quality game surviving based on its ID, the pitch's hours, the focus, the laser focus to create a certain type of football game, to envisage a f- real football in a video game, and to stick to our guns to create that. You know, being from a, J- a Japanese development team, which will see things differently, a different culture, will be able to show the consumer things that only they can do because of everything that surrounds it, from the people to where they live. It's such a unique opportunity. And I believe that being able to achieve 25 years with, let's face it, everything against us, mm. we overcame it. And the fans sticking with us is one of the big reasons why we're still here. So we celebrate together, not just with the dev team, the fans, even with you, Sonny. We celebrate <laughs> 25 years because this is definitely our moment and our celebration. Dude, I've got to say, it's one of the most humbling and transparent answers I've heard, you know. And again, it just shows how much love is in this Pez community. And. Mm. I'm just so proud to be a part of it and being a part of it since like 96, you know, similar lens Mm. to yourself, you know, and it just ceases to amaze me just how it connects so many people around the world and Mm. the future's bright, but I'm not letting you get away that easy. The future's (laughs) bright, but I want to go back to the past. So we're going to put professional Adam to the side and we're going to get the fan Adam out because I'm sure people who know you within the industry and many people in the Pez community want to know some of the following things in regards to Pez and Mr. Adam Batty. You ready for this? Yep. Cool. Right. So keeping in tone with the 25 years, 25 years of Pez, what's been your favorite cover for a Pez game? Oh man. <laughs> while you're thinking for me I would say personally it was Pez 4 um, that was Henri Totti and Kalina on the cover just oh, because yeah. if you remember when the PS2 came you had obviously just a silhouette of somebody I think was running with the ball and then number 2 it kind of yeah. looked like the England shirt but it was Konomi and he had his hand on his chest 3 was obviously the, the infamous and the famous Kalina cover first referee to Donna cover but the fourth like you we knew where Pez was on PS2 people knew that this was the premiere for gameplay on football so to have at that time you know two of the best football players in the world in Francesco Totti and Thierry Henry but to keep the referee on the cover I was like that's how you know that this is the game you know and um absolutely loved it it was just I just remember when I saw the cover in the magazine I was like oh they know what they're doing and it's been my favourite cover, if you don't count the Man United special team you did. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. 
That was cool. I've still got it. You really? <laughs> it's next that's to my amazing. PlayStation. I was like, that's not going anywhere. That's amazing. Do you know, it's 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 a tough one for me. I've got, I would say the Pez 4 cover is a nice one, by the way. I, I think that that has a lot of meaning and it was the first one. I think when I when I think about Pez covers, there's there's probably two that I would say stand out. The Gertzel cover, I, I've already spoken about why. Mm-hmm. And that will always have a special place in my heart because of that of that that whole kind of moment of announcing Mario as our cover star uh, a month after he scored the World Cup final goal, and the 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 story behind picking the player. I had to put my neck out. It was one of my first one of my first big decisions as a as a European brand manager, and I remember that being having the support of my boss then. If you, if you remember John Murphy, mm-hmm. he was, me and him were trying to think about the cover stars and he wanted to 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 make, to make take a risk. And I told him about Goethe, I pitched everything to him and I remember he backed it and then the team in Japan backed it. But for it to come off in that way was just a very unique moment for me. So mm-hmm. it holds something special. Um, but in terms of, being on my mantelpiece and something that I used to love to look at, it had to be the PES 5 cover, you know. Henri um, and uh, Terry. Just because it wasn't really a football cover, was it? It was two players with with looking at each other and that, that um, I don't know, the, the kind of atmosphere that the cover created and this kind of rivalry and the seriousness. And I loved the... Um, I do a lot of design work when I when I was a brand manager, especially, and just the color tone was perfect. Mm. The the I mean, it could have been a Tekken cover, you know. It was just <laughs> this like versus. It was literally like a versus screen, and it just looked fantastic. I remember loving to see that cover when I had the games out, and obviously, Pez Five was a special game as well for me. Definitely. So I think that's why that that cover is is a special one. But notwithstanding. If I had to, if you asked me in a few years, I'd probably say PES, PES 21 is Same. the best one. Same. Because you've got, I think with those covers, you, you've you got that connection with them. I've got that connection with the with the Goethe cover, for example. But if you talk about pound for pound, you know, uh, the, the, the level of player, the quality, no one's ever got Messi and Ronaldo on the cover. It's iconic. Um, yeah. Just a quick one, PES 5. Am I right? I'm sure... I'm right in saying that Terry had the Chelsea badge on his top and Henri had the Arsenal, didn't he? Yeah, that's when Chelsea and Arsenal were the yeah. two licensed teams, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that was pretty decent. Right, 25 years of Pez. Which iteration, which yearly instalment did you put the most time to in a game in a calendar year? Hmm, well, this is this is linked to my favourite ever Pez. And I think a lot of people who follow me over the years know my answer here because I've said it a few times. Um, but it's winning eleven ten. Nice. Um, so winning eleven ten was the game for me, and I've actually gone back to it recently. When I was in Japan, I went and purchased a Japanese PS two, mm-hmm. and I purchased winning eleven ten, and nice. I got it home and I played it, and. Um, it definitely did not hold up. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was, it was, it was so end to end. It was crazy. I, I can't remember it being that fast. 
Um, but Win 11 10 was the game. It was the one that was released between PES 5 and PES 6. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, they used to have these April releases in, mm-hmm. in Japan back in those days. So it was a continuation of PES 5 leading up to PES 6. And it was, um, for me, it was the game that when I got it, I continued to play once PES 6 came out. I continued to play Winning 11 10. I loved wow. it that much. So I, I definitely put a number of hours into it. It had everything that I wanted in in a, in, in a football game. It, and it, and it, I, I remember it had this kind of road to the World Cup kind of mode mm-hmm. as well, where you would take a team through qualifying and then play the international tournament, those kind of things. It, it, it was fantastic. Am I right? Did that have the manager and the player on it? It did, didn't it? Yeah, it had, uh, was it Zico? Mm, and uh, I've forgotten the player. But yeah, it had, it had Zico on it, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a red tox. I remember getting confusing. Oh, there's a Man United player on the court. And I was like, wait, Man United don't have that player. <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> it went from there. But yeah, I think for me, honestly, I think it was Pez 2011. In terms of just pure time I put in, I remember it was just. The th- you know, I'm going to brag here because I can and I can back it up. You know, when you're so good at the game, you need a challenge. And I and I found one. I, you know, I went um, Brescia and I put on the hardest mm. difficulty. Didn't sign anybody. And I would, it was such a challenge because obviously they're not, um, you know, they're not like the best team in the game. And it was such a challenge, especially, I, I, I lie, I signed one player, Javier Hernandez. Um, mm. But it was just such a challenge. And I loved that just constant battle against the computer and I played that game literally from day one to the next game and I always usually have a tendency to break about a month Mm. two months before the new version comes out because you want to kind of get your old habits flushed out (laughs) you don't want to carry them over but 11 I couldn't put it down man absolutely loved it um this one might be harder for you dude 25 years of Pez which song sticks in your head when you think about Pro Evolution Soccer there's only one really that still sticks to me. Um, I think it was was it past 2008? Football, soccer, football, soccer, football, <laughs> soccer, all around the world, football, soccer. You crack me uh, up. Yeah, I think it was that one. I think that was, <laughs> that's the one that stuck with me. And to be fair, everything became much more professional when it, when it came to music. Mm. Uh, where we started to work with uh, record labels, uh, rights holders, and they would start to supply a, a collection of songs. Mm. Um, I think when I first started, we were a little bit rogue when it when it came to picking music. Mm. You, could, um, you, could, you could see the difference yeah. when you had an influence. <laughs> it's a compliment. It's a compliment. Trust me. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Best Pez goal you've ever scored in twenty five years. I don't know if you'll remember this, but during I mean I've scored I score worldies every game, but there was there was one um and I actually sent it to you. It was during PES 2011, mm. I was Brescia, and you gotta remember I'm doing this on the hardest difficulty with this team. And I absolutely tore the opposition to shreds, like single passing. I was doing the Barca before Barca was doing it. And mm. just when you thought I was going to store, I did one more pass and you were like, no, <laughs> and it, and it was just a beautiful way to destroy a team. Like from the halfway, it was similar to like, 
United's goal against Roma, all that one-touch build-up, but I did it, like, it was like seven one-touch passes, and when you think I'm about to shoot, I, I managed to get one final square in for Hernandez, and I was just like, what a goal. But it was just, to do it against the hardest difficulty with such a rubbish team, you know, that, because you can, you can break the net, you can smash a crossbar and things like that, but, you know, when you, you get that sense of an achievement from a goal, like, oof. What a goal. Mm. So that would be mine, but I want to know what yours is. Do you know what? I'm trying to think about the times where I put the controller down. And I think a lot of it was probably linked to me wanting to replicate something that I've seen in real football or wanting to, yeah, replicate it, but try and not like perfectly one-to-one, but see it being portrayed in a football game. And I remember two, probably two games where I felt like, I remember putting the controller down and saying, Konami nailed it. So this is before I started working at Konami. Mm. Um, And I think it was, the first one was, (laughs) this probably might not count actually, um, going into a little bit. But as I say, this is before I was working at Konami, but when I was at WMB, we used to get early, um, early builds of, of games. Mm-hmm. And um, PES 11 was the first moment where I got an early build of PES 11. And this is my opinion, Sonny. Mm-hmm. I thought that the PES 11 that shipped wasn't as good as the preview build. I agree. <laughs> did you play the preview build I did I did I played the preview build and I remember saying to you at the time that oh. I think it's one of the best pieces I've ever played yeah and then I was so excited that's why I did day one straight into it and I was like it doesn't feel the same but then I found the you know the way to challenge mm. myself and I loved the game but yeah no the preview build was definitely and, and that happened quite a lot you know, where sometimes preview builds feel so much stronger, then another build comes out and it doesn't, and then feedback quickly gets it work back to where it was, you know, for the launch. But I know what you're yeah, talking maybe. about. Yeah, I, I do I do I do remember hearing that quite a lot from, from fans about games changing between builds and stuff. But I think with Pez eleven it was the one where I could relate because the the key difference was in the preview build, they hadn't incorporated physicality. Mm-hmm. And in the retail build, they put it in. Um, and what that meant was was that it was very easy to get shoved off the ball. And by the preview build, there wasn't a lot of physicality there in terms of if you made a challenge. It was kind of hit or miss whether you would successfully make the challenge because it was very manual in PES 11. Mm. Um, and I liked that in the preview build, but I think the team probably thinking about it now, probably felt it was too difficult to tackle, maybe. But I remember going into Pez 11, preview build after the World Cup and seeing what Iniesta was doing. I remember scoring an incredible individual goal in Pez 11 with Iniesta in the preview build, where I was able to uh, dribble in between a number of players, shift the body, shifting the animation was wonderful, the way he was touching the ball and burst through this defence and blast into the corner. And that was a huge moment where I was like, Konami have absolutely nailed it. Because that was used to be the essence of Pez, was getting what you've seen in real life into the game and doing it in a way where it still required a level of ability. 
Mm. It wasn't just press a button. It wasn't Adriano. You know, you press shoe, it's going in. It was. <laughs> it became much more complex, but it had the facilities. And I think the other one was probably before that, but the same kind of feeling was me being a Milan fan, uh, seeing the rise of Kaká. And oh, I think player. it was... Yeah, I think it was his early years. I think it was, um, this is definitely going out a bit now. This was winning 11-8. Wow. Live, I don't know, I think it was Liveware Evolutions. I think that was the full name. So it wasn't winning 11-8, it was the one that came out Mm mid-year. And I remember getting that, playing as AC Milan, getting the ball to Kaka, using the, remember when they they had the R2 run? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the R2 almost like a mid-burst, not quite the sprint burst, but a medium kind of jog, uh, and using that to go past a player and quite a fair few distance out. And, you know, long-range shots in pairs were iconic, but I think they became a little bit difficult in pairs four. And then in winning 11-8, this live revolution game, I pinged it. And it just flew into the corner the way that Kaka pings the ball. The animation was right. The feeling was right. I put the pad down and I couldn't believe it. I like, can't nailed it. It was one of those moments where I felt <laughs> like, wow, that was a great goal. And that was a, that was a great feeling of scoring a great goal. That was the, um, the Liveware evolution. That was the, was that the, that was the first with online, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I yeah. They made a big deal out of it. Yeah, I remember. That's like, exactly. I remember them making. I remember them talking about it. I was like, "Huh? What? Yeah, My PS2 could yeah. go on the internet? What? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's crazy. You took the last. My final question away from me, which was uh, me trying to sneakily find out what your favorite version, favorite Pez of all time is, but you've pretty much answered that we're winning eleven ten. But you mentioned yeah. something earlier um, about messy that i want to ask you and you mentioned that he had input with the trailer so this is the last question i promise um it's nice to bring it back to 2021 what was his reaction when he saw the flashback to him scoring that goal and then it's switching between real life and pez 2021 what was his like when he sat down and he finally got to see what was he what was his reaction or what was his father's and his brother's reaction like when they thought we're seeing him score that famous goal, but look how it's represented in the game. It's an interesting one, that I don't think I ever got his his opinion on that specifically. When we were going through the approval process with Leo about the concept, about the ideas, and one thing that we had to do was before we started shooting each of the scenes, we would have to, first of all, get his approval on how that player looked. Mm. So we would have to send 3D models of the faces of all the five versions to Leo for, for, for approval. Because, you know, sometimes you get, you get players not liking how they're represented. Mm. And obviously when you're going back in the past, I remember as a whole when the approval came through, they were very happy and very impressed. They couldn't believe the accuracy. In terms of creating scenes and stuff, I never really got his opinion, to be honest. i tell you what, one thing that I, that I did get from him, which was game-related, which really made me happy, which kind of links to the future, really, more than 21. But do you know when we did that teaser trailer? Oh, for PES 22? How can, you, how, how can no one, no one can yeah. forget that? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that, and, you know, we've been talking about, wow, when we saw that, 
And I tell, I tell you what, one of the best feelings I had was Messi's team's reaction to seeing that trailer. That was a true moment of pride when they replied, the Messi's team replied saying they've never seen anything like it. They've never seen anything like it. Blown away. And for me, that was incredible. That feeling was insane. The fact that, yeah, we felt it. We felt it when we were going through the approvals. We had to share that trailer early with our partner, Barcelona. We had to share it with Messi. Barcelona are fantastic. They, they are very receptive, supportive of any, of, of any ideas that we had. Um, but to get the reception from Messi's team where even they were saying they've never seen anything like it really vindicated everything that, that we were doing and trying to do. They were so happy with this content coming out. So that was nice. Not quite what you were asking about. But um, it's but, the perfect yeah. way to end it, you know, the tiny snippet of, you know, his opinion on the future is mm. a great way to end the show. Adam, thank you so much for your time today. You know, we've got so much insight about the dev team, yourself, the inner workings of pairs throughout this generation. You know, on behalf of the community, thank you so much for taking what was supposed to be an hour. <laughs> But we've gone yeah. way over that. But when you're talking pairs, you just lose track of time, you know. But thank you so much. Have you got any final words for the community? This is probably this is my first podcast in how many years, and it's probably my last. So, <laughs> <laughs> not because not because of the things I said, but because really one of the things that I want to let everyone know is, you know, hopefully people when they've heard me over the years, they probably sense a different kind of Adam, a different person now. We have. We have so many, what I believe is superstars in our team. And my role right right now is to, is to work with all our teams, you know, um, to make sure we create the best games, to make sure that we create amazing experiences across all the, all the Konami games that we release from now on. Mm. And I think for me, talking about pairs with you, longtime friend, has been wonderful and been able to speak to to you and kind of speak to the fans as a fan um, is fantastic. But I hope in the future, the people that you're hearing more of is the people like the, like the dev team. And, and um, I think this is a great way to come out of retirement, uh, Paul Skull style, <laughs> just, to, just to come in and help people out. But then I hope people... Um, know that my focus is definitely to be the guy behind the scenes making things work and hopefully we'll be able to put some more superstars in front of your face in the future well you shine the light beautifully on the dev team and it's been amazing far exceeded what i hoped it was going to be thank you so much for that and um obviously thank you to everyone who made this happen at konami and with the pez team and um yeah definitely the plan for the future let's shine the light on the guys that are making the difference. Of course you are in the background as well. But <laughs> thank you very much for your time today, Adam. And um, congratulations you. to you and the entire team on eFootball PES 2021. Um, we need to have a game. Yeah, we do. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it we'll out. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And that concluded my interview with Adam. Now, 
we initially scheduled to only speak for an hour but when you're just talking about something you're passionate about which you could sense as Adam was talking in regards to Pez we just double the time which was great you know it was amazing insight into the development cycle of Pez the pressure the development team are under each and every year the pressure they put on themselves and the high level of expectation it really really opened my eyes into what goes into making a PES gain and I'm so grateful to the whole PES team for what they do each and every year. With that being said, thank you very much Adam for giving us your time and listeners thank you very much for taking your time out to listen to this special episode. Keep your eye out every single week on SoundCloud and iTunes for all the latest episodes of the latest PS5 where we do actually talk about PS5 on the main show and all the latest news and realistic rumours that are coming. Thank you very much and good night or good afternoon or good day as Alex would say.